Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything peerless. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and our favorite, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. Uh, with me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how are you doing on this fine Saturday afternoon? You know, I'm doing good. Um, you know, just relaxing right now. Just been a lazy day for me, mostly. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm really excited about this one. I know you are as well uh, for, uh, you know, very good reasons. So why, why don't we, uh, without further ado, just jump right into this episode. Uh, Andy, tell the folks everything they need to know about Kentucky Peerless. Of course. So Kentucky Peerless uh, Distilling was founded in the early 1880s by um, Henry Craver. Is He founded it under the uh, Warsham Distilling name. And... And it was something that they were, um, you know, at that time, were very kind of slow, just getting their stuff going in the eighties, in the eighteen eighties, early eighteen nineties. But by the time um, the Bottle and Bond Act had come around in eighteen ninety seven, they'd actually gone from about eight barrels a day, so about what, 56 barrels a week to about 200-plus barrels a week. Um, and it was something that, you know, by that time, so in that first 20 years or so, they had been reincorporated under the Kentucky Peerless name, um, which I think was finalized in about 1907, as, you know, production wholesale, the wholesale market, really, for them and just the entire bourbon market as a whole, had uh, expanded beyond... Kentucky's borders a lot more than it was for the time. Um, and it was something that, you know, because they, um, because they expanded beyond just Kentucky's borders in their production and everything, uh, they actually had to set up like a lot more operations external to Kentucky. Um, it's about almost $3 million, about a hundred thousand dollars in 1907. Um, was what it cost them to be able to do that by uh, at that time. Um, and it was something that, you know, they were really getting themselves going up and running during those initial years, in that first initial 30, 40 years. But, um, you know, of course, big thing about 40 years on that really hurt them was Prohibition. Now, luckily, even though they even though prohibition came about, you know, they had established themselves as a, um, you know, a very reputable, formidable brand in the bourbon space, um, especially in the bonded bourbon space. Um, and it was something that they were one of the only six brands that were able to actually sell whiskey under a medicinal license. Um, of course, unable to distill during prohibition because of the laws and everything, but they were still able to at least sell some of their bourbon stocks that they had um, during the time under that medicinal license while Prohibition was going on. Yeah. Um, and it was something that after Prohibition, so Craver, uh, he eventually died during this time, but it was, uh, they ended up being, dying out for a few decades, um, just were not quite as 
relevant, for lack of better phrasing, um, just not as well recognized anymore after post-prohibition and everything. So they slowly died out. Um, and But luckily, they actually were uh, revived back in 2014, um, back in March of 2014, so about exactly eight years ago, um, by Craver's great-grandson and his great-great-grandson, um, still actually under the same distillery that they were distilling at in historic downtown Louisville, near Whiskey Row, the whole whiskey market, everything there, um, in Louisville, and still under the same distilled spirits producer license that uh, Craver had initially actually gotten for him, uh, DSP KY50. Um, that was the same license number that they had all the way in the beginning. Um, and it was, you know, they, it's about a 115 year old building there in Louisville that they, you know, restored, began distillation in again for the first time in, you know, a long time, um, because of, you know, prohibition and just other mitigating factors related to the brand, just not selling as well. And then it was about a year later that they actually began full distillation in a March of 2015 in that space. Um, and it was about three months later um, after that that they fully reopened all their operations and everything in June of 2015. Uh, whereas, you know, dumping everything, filling everything, uh, tours, everything like that. Um, and their first bottles were dumped and filled in April of 2017 so about three years after they reopened uh two years that since they had um began distillation and it was about a hundred years almost a hundred years since the initial distillery uh was actually shut down in that space due to prohibition um and of course a few short months like six months later after that they um, had, of course, quickly reestablished a name on the market, um, you know, under that same Kentucky Peerless name, everything there, uh, and restored that reputation. Um, and it was actually around that time, you know, within like three years, that they actually got their uh, rye whiskey uh, named as one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, uh, the wow. magazine. Um so, which is quite an accomplishment for any brand to get, have that happen. Definitely. That, at least that quickly, even if at all. Um, and it's something that they, you know, they have a few different uh, selections. You know, they have, of course, the Peerless Bourbon and Peerless Rye. Uh, we're trying the bourbon today. Uh, and it yeah. is a, um, it's a non-disclosed mash bill and a non-age stated, but it is a... Uh, you know, non-chill filtered, strictly sweet mash, uncut, so they're not adding water to it, and it's barrel-proof as a result, um, product. And the bourbon, uh, the one we're trying today, is a small batch. It's They're bottling it at 108.1 proof, so it's what their uh, barrel-proof is for it, um, for at least their small batch standard bourbon. And then they... Um, of course, have their single barrel selections of both the rye and bourbon, and then a uh, rye agent absinthe barrels and their own distillery selections that they do 
like throughout the year and everything. Have you been to uh, Peerless? No, I've actually been meaning to go. It was something that on your bachelor party when we were there, if we had had the time, I had thought about going. But... Yeah, because it was right there in the this, the heart of it's right there in the heart of Louisville, right where mm-hmm. um, you know where we were doing the bachelor party. Yeah, I didn't realize until we you know we picked that we we started doing the research on this episode that that's where it was, <laughs> it was located. That close, yeah. No, right. they they were they're like right. They're not right on Whiskey Row, like where Old Forester is, but they're very, very close yeah. to that. It looks like they were just like a little bit further down and like a block off of the main road. Yeah. So like not far from, like really close to Mictors even. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it looks it looks really cool. We'll have to. Um, that's one that's gonna. It's on, it's definitely on the list. I'm assuming that's on the Bourbon Trail. If I recall, I think it is. I'd have to like check that website again for sure. But I think it's on the. Uh, if I recall, it is on the uh, Bourbon Trail yeah. there in Kentucky. I would imagine so, since especially since it's, I mean, it's basically on Whiskey Row. It's literally a block off of it. Yeah. So I would imagine it's on it, on the Bourbon Trail. Yeah, that's definitely on the list. We'll definitely have to hit that up next time we're yeah. in Louisville. All right, sure. folks. So we're going to go ahead and pour a glass of the uh, Peerless Bourbon and uh, do the tasting. All right, folks. We have a glass of the Peerless Bourbon poured. So now we're going to do our tastings, as always. Andy, we're going to start with the nose. Very approachable nose. I mean, even for 108 proof there, it's very approachable. Very um, approachable, I would say, for 108 proof. Not much jumps up off the nose beyond, like, stereotypical, some caramel, yep. vanilla, orange, oaky notes on it. I'm getting a lot of the caramel. Yeah. A lot of the caramel and a little bit of the oak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's give it a taste. Cheers, Cheers. sir. good i like it um again very stereotypical i get a lot of the oak coming through you know i definitely get that high proof coming through on it um i get a lot of the caramel that we got yeah. in the nose also in the palate yeah um, i kind of get some you definitely notice the proofage though I oh would yeah say. M- much more so than you did with the nose yeah and i definitely get like some maybe like spice kick in it maybe i'm just confusing that for um proof kick on the bourbon, but no, it's... there's a little like r- light rye spice in there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, that. Um, I think it really kind of punches you in the face at first, but man, it really um, grows it, on you. Yeah, it grows on you. It lasts. I mean, it's not a cheap bottle. You know, it's so the bourbon. What, what did it run you? The bourbon here in the uh, northern Kentucky, Ohio area or Cincinnati area runs you about 70 bucks. Oh, wow. So it's, it's not the cheapest bottle. Right. Definitely. Um, definitely gets up there a little bit. Yeah. But I, I think trying it now and I had a chance to try it. Um, haven't bought the bottle. I tried it like before the episode. Um, I think it's worth that price. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely good. cool it's, ass bottle. If you can find it too. Right. I mean, it's the gold top, the circular. Yeah. Bottle. Yeah. It's a, it's cool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very, it, it's unique across the board. The bottle's unique. Uh, in a lot of ways, the distil- actual distillery and the look of the, and the building, and everything is very unique, and the taste of the whiskey I think is pretty unique. Yeah, there's not a lot of whiskeys that remind. It doesn't remind me of any anything else. It really kind of stands out on its. It's just very it, different. In, yeah, in a good way. Yeah, it's 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 stands out as exactly. It stands out on its own in a good way. Um, 
I mean, that's not to say it's like so far out there. I mean, it's still well, no. very reminiscent of what a bourbon of, of course, should be. Of course, not what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I just think it, it, it's just it's unique in so many ways, and I think that's a really, yeah, that's a really cool thing, especially at a, at a bourbon and whiskey market now that is so saturated. Exactly. All right, all right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a, re- a review, share our episodes on your social media pages, follow us on our social media pages, tell your friends about the show. We really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Uh, pour yourself another whiskey, and don't worry, America, we'll be here to drink with you next week.